0: Hello, and welcome to episode 98 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, September 1st, 2022. A big thank you to all of our <laughs> listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney?
1: Okay, did that date take you by surprise? Uh, you
0: know, I knew, I knew that it was happening, that we had arrived here, but saying it out loud was, you know... I love September,
1: so I'm happy about it.
0: No, uh, September is a fine month. Many, many delightful things are going to happen this month, so
1: (laughs) I'm sure it will be good, including
0: episode 100.
1: Yes, that said, we are taking questions from the crowd, so send them our way. The usual Instagram places, DMs, just make sure you tag us so that we see it. The Courtney SF Instagram or the Craft Cook Read Repeat Instagram. You can find Monica on Ravelry at Magda,
0: M A G D O N, or in our Craft Cook Read Repeat group.
1: Yeah, and just find us in those locations. If you've got a question, we are celebrating our 100th episode with questions from the crowd. We've already gotten a few, and I'm super excited to. To celebrate our 100th episode, which might not seem like a lot to you, especially if you are listening to a lot of other podcasts and they're just churning out content. But I'm really proud of us. So I'm proud of us too. So we are going to celebrate this. So, should, yeah.
0: Should we have cake?
1: Oh, yes. I was singing carrot cake. <laughs> oh, I don't like
0: carrot cake. What?
1: I thought you did. No.
0: Oh. Definitely not. You could make a carrot cake. I just want, I'll eat the frosting. <laughs>
1: what's your favorite kind of cake chocolate okay or or cookies are good too chocolate mousse pie <laughs> there we go so right.
0: many options but for today we will have on the needles on the easel on the table on the nightstand and bingo and this is the end of the bingo there's still a few more days in real time but when this comes
1: out it we, will be done will be done and another one on the books yes So
0: stay tuned because I'm going to announce the winners, although we don't know who has entered yet because you still have time to enter. But when you hear this, you won't. (laughs) Ah, podcasting is fun. So on the needles, I finished my sweater.
1: Hooray! Hooray. It's beautiful.
0: I was working away, people. This is the Zephyr Merc 2 by Celia McAdam Cahill. It was a test knit. This is a pattern that she originally had as a cardigan and now she's made it a pullover and it will come out this fall and I think it will be available in general but it's just not available now but she is not keeping it it's not a, a secret release or anything so I am allowed to talk about it and um, as soon as I take a picture of me in it I will post that as well so you can see it in all its cuteness and it has lots of options so I knit it in Mendocino wool and fiber Romney Corydale fingering which I got in 2019.
1: That's still fairly new. Since It is for my stash, yes.
0: Oh, I got it at Lambtown. So it's from a, well, local California dyer, except that it's not dyed. It's natural. It's natural color, which is this kind of grayish, brownish, really fun color that I do not have really anything of in my wardrobe. So that was kind of exciting. And then I have stripes, the sleeves are all striped, and there's a couple of stripes across the top as well in a dark violet blue from Biche et Bouche, Le Petit Lambswool and also a medium blue called My Hand and Yours from A Verb for Keeping Warm, They're creating base. And that one has been in my stash, I think, since 2010. So there I'm going deep. But it was really fun to put the colors together. So my sweater has long sleeves and waist shaping, and it's got a little scoop neck, I think the scoop neck was standard.
1: And that pretty, like...
0: And then, yeah, there's a lace panel all up and down the front. And that's that's kind of the the main thing about it. You could do it with or without the stripes. You could do it with short sleeves or long sleeves. You could do it with or without the waist shaping. So I'm very excited to see what the other test knitters have done. I know a lot of them are doing short sleeves, more summery tops. My only problem is that the idea behind it, I believe, is that it's going to be offered to all the people at the retreat. who are going to the retreat in April. So we can all, you know, have the same sweater and wear it and it'll be super fun. Except that in April, and I think it's late April this next, well, next year, I guess at this point, it could be very, very warm. It could also be rainy and cold, but in most of the past years that I've been, it's been pretty warm. So I'm not sure the long sleeve natural wool sweater is going to be worn for a very long time. Possibly I will just put it on for the photo and and then
1: uh, yeah, the be way, done with it The way things are trending
0: Yeah, but it will be very nice for this this upcoming season Well, once we get past our summer of September and October Here in San Francisco We will not be experiencing the heat wave this weekend I mean, we'll have a heat wave for us But that'll be just nice, pleasant weather Whereas the rest of the Bay Area is going to be roasty-toasty California Well, that too, yeah Not us We say no So yeah, so that one is done. I'm very excited. It worked out great. The length is really good now after blocking. My sleeves are a little bit long, but you know, it's okay. I'd rather have them be too long than constantly tugging them down. And again, I'm very excited to see what everybody else has done with their sweaters. So I'm very excited about that. And it was a really fun, simple pattern. So now I've got to figure out what I'm doing
1: next in sweater world. And I have so many options. So much yarn. I have a suggestion that one that has the crazy like roving on the
0: oh yeah kit. I I do need to do that one
1: I I really want you to knit that one I missed I the kit oh and it also it has like a drop is it called a drop sleeve maybe which isn't often the best fit for me but I'm mm. eager for you to knit it because then I'll be able to look at it and think hmm I could like take it up a little bit or I don't know. Yep. I'm I'm just not good at doing that on the fly. But I suspect if you knit it, then I will be able to alter it. <laughs> That's true. I do want to do that. What's it called again? No idea.
0: <laughs> it was in the Pom Pom
1: magazine
0: in the spring, I believe, their spring episode, and it was It looked like m- some silk mohair, fluffy S- business, like lace weight, and then it has beads and roving in there and it's like the best of anthropology sweaters yes exactly (laughs) it's not anthropology but no yeah that kind of style yeah yeah that is definitely up there and i did also and we've been texting about this just get yarn for a big squishy shawl in worsted weight so i might i will probably be doing that so having a sweater on the go in lace weight might be a good contrast so we will see i I'm also thinking I will just finish my Elton cardigan, which I've been working on since 2019. Since now I just have this, well, I guess I have the sleeves and the button band, but that one is pretty close and that would be nice to have for the upcoming season as well. Other than that's a lot of lace weight, fluffy yarn going on right in a row, but we will see. Who knows? Stay tuned. Uh, I also did some work on my Vanilla is the New Black Socks. By Anna Fletcher in the white birch fiber arts calm before the pitchforks which is the white and multicolor self-striping yarn that every time I work on it I just I have to actually concentrate on continuing the knitting because I want to just stop and look at the beautiful colors so that is a little bit of a problem with getting them done but they're good for keeping in my purse and pulling out when I have a few minutes. And I am almost close. Oh, I thought I was going to have another finished object, but no. I still have one row and then a pico bind off, so that could take forever. In my Atlantic Heart Shawl by Hohi Locatelli. And that was a club kit from Neighborhood Fiber Company, part of their 15th anniversary club. And so you got three skeins of their rustic fingering in Upton, Shadow, and Cross Street Market, which is a black... Uh, peachy pink and then shadow was a uh, beigey with black blobs. And <laughs> spots, blobs. I guess spots is a better better word possibly. Speckles. This has been a super fun project. I really like this shawl. I mean Hohey's patterns are generally pretty delightful. So it's got a bunch of garter stitch, and then you do slip stitches with two of the colors, and you go back to a single color, and then more slip stitches, more garter, and then the final bit is this lace. Uh, Is it lace? I'm going to call it lace because I don't know what else to call it. Border with the two contrast colors. So in this case, the black and the pink. And it's this really cool stitch in in between. So you do a couple rows of one color, and then with the other color, you do this weird eight-stitch thing with drop stitches, and then you cross them over, and it looks really cool. And you Ooh. repeat that um, for a couple of times. And I guess this really, really interesting looking border that I'm very pleased with. And some of those things you look at and go like, Oh, wow, I did that. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I didn't come up with the stitch, but I, I executed it quite well, <laughs> if I do say so myself. So as I said, I still have to do one more row, and then I get to do a Pico bind off. And that that has a lot of stitches. But I should be done with that in the next day or two, so I might just pretend it's done so I don't talk about it next time. But we'll see. I'm very excited about that. And yeah, and then just lots of plotting, planning. Oh, no, I totally forgot. I made a gnome. (laughs) Silly me. Okay, so the reason that whole make something for two months ahead on the bingo was on there is because I knew I wanted to do one of my gnomes that I do as Christmas presents now and so I for the past three years I've made my aunt sports themed gnomes so we started off with the 49ers themed gnome because she's a big 49ers fan and then I did the Giants because she likes the Giants and then it was just it now it's just a thing so last year was my Warriors gnome and he was little circular ball shaped one because you know basketball and so this year was was the hockey gnome so the gnome I did is Leave Gnome Stone Unturned by Sarah Shira, who is also known as Imagined Landscapes. I had bought yarn last year for my warrior gnome, but the blues were not right. They were they were not warrior blue. They were, when I received it, sharks blue, San Jose sharks blue. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just save it for next year, which I did. So he has a lighter teal hat with a little cute tassel and then, oh, and this is, and a pocket And I went yesterday and found a little shark button that I sewed onto the pocket. And he's adorable. And I was a little worried because they had giant blue shark buttons, which were just way too big. And then I found a little shark button, but it was orange, which is sort of odd. But the sharks do have orange as one of their secondary colors. So I put it It on there. It totally works. It's super. I mean, it, it adds a little pop of color, I think. And it is an official shark's color. So I feel okay about it. And then his body is a darker teal and white striped and i made his beard black because of brent burns although he's no longer a shark which is very sad so overall i'm very pleased and i (laughs) i'm pretty sure that she's not on instagram or listens to this podcast so it will still be a surprise come christmas as long as i remember where i've put it it is still currently sitting out on my knitting table because he's very adorable and i like looking at him but there is a new gnome knit along starting today tomorrow very soon that was also why i needed to (laughs) to get (laughs) that gnome done but i totally forgot to put it in my show notes it will be there along with everything else by the time this episode comes out so that was fun so oh so the yarn was uh from emma's yarn and then i had some leftover black from knit circus so yeah so that was that worked out very well and a bingo square and a bingo square very exciting
1: how about you What's on the easel? The easel it has lots of works in progress, which feels awesome. I have been going to the public library and doing some cup filling, filling my cup. I like to look through the magazines, Smithsonian, and other ones that I don't re- that I don't receive, and sort of just idea generate. And then I love to look through. They're called collector, collector Items Pricing Guides. So they have really interesting objects, and that just gives me ideas about things to look for to pair for still lives. And And then I sketch people in the library, which you have to be surreptitious about. Not everybody appreciates that. I think it's a great spot to spend an afternoon. And so that has been taking up a little bit of time. And then I've also been working on some really big, for me, acrylic on paper, which initially I meant to feel more like studies, but then I just figured I should see it through instead of being sketchy about it, you know, just really paint it through. And I'm getting interesting results, like interesting skies, and working on a much bigger scale than I'm accustomed to, Squash, I don't usually go much bigger than like 8 by 10 and these are 24 by 36 so they're several times bigger and so the brushes I'm using are inch and a half two inch brushes for the flat brushes and so I'm getting really different brush strokes and it's just an interesting way to work. I don't know quite where it's going. If I do open studio some of these pieces they'll go on the wall for open studio but I'm not I'm not entirely sure yet. I'm just painting a lot and that feels great. This weekend is the opening of the Brush Show over at the Compound Gallery in Emeryville. I'm really excited to see how the show as a whole comes together because there's a huge variety of different interpretations of the brief, the creative brief, and I'm so excited to see that display. How long will that show be going for local people or, you know, if you're think, coming to visit San Francisco? I think mid-October. It's there till mid-October. And that is at their new location. So if you are going to try to make a visit, follow the the address from their Instagram page, not from Google Maps. And then the Pigeon Show, which is at Phase Videos Bench Gallery... That is in the Mission right across from Byright. They also make excellent coffee and espresso. I hear I'm not a coffee person, so have at it. <laughs> but that show is closing on, I think, the 10th. I don't know what's coming next, but keep an eye on Faye's video. They just, they've done such an incredible job of highlighting and advertising and I feel like it was such a gift to be part of that show. It was really, really fun. I think that's, that's everything that's on the easel and and maybe then some for right now. I really need to paint something for Christmas, but I haven't started it yet. So I'm hoping to start that this weekend, this crazy weekend, but we'll see. It occurs to me that I should share some more detail about the acrylic process and while I'm not wholly prepared to go into depth right now, um, I'll make more notes over the next couple of weeks and talk about it next time because I have really learned a lot by these acrylic experiments. And I'm using mostly fluid acrylic paints, sort of watered down, and it's a similar approach to my watercolor and gouache process, which shouldn't be a surprise, but it surprised me nonetheless. So. Stay tuned for that, and I think I will circle around and talk about it next time.
0: Cool. So on the table.
1: So I finally got to make
0: my cook local recipe, which I had been planning for a while, but I had to wait because it involves meat and gluten. So I needed the husband to be gone, which when he took boy one off to college, I'm fine. I'm fine. He's doing great. So I made chicken tetrazzini, which apparently was invented here. Really? Yeah. Maybe in Oakland, but I mean, that's the Bay Area. Um, For sure. Some chef, opera singer, special chicken. I know. Who knew? And Boy 2 loves opera, wants to be an opera singer. So I thought it was, you know, very delightful. That and I could apropos. share it with him. So I used a Giada Di Laurentiis recipe. She's the Italian lady on Food Network, I guess we can call her. One of One of, one of them. And it had more steps than I was expecting. <laughs> it seems a very dump it all together kind of cat- recipe. Casserole-ish. Yeah, which it is, unless you have an actual chef trying to fancy it up, which was fine. I mean, there was a lot of sauteing of mushrooms, and I forgot you had to boil the pasta. I was thinking it was more of a sauce thing, like you would make a sauce and then serve it with regular pasta. But it's it's like it is more of a casserole thing. There was baking time, and you, you're making the sauce, and um, but it was delicious. So it's it's uh mushrooms and chicken and a cream sauce and I mean there's parmesan
1: and whatnot in there and pasta. It's it's like a creamier chicken marsala. No, mi- minus the marsala. Minus the marsala. Yes. I mean, yeah. Or like a chicken fettuccine. I've never had yeah. chicken tetrazini. Oh, so it's
0: a white sauce. Okay. With mushrooms and chicken, and then you and make the pasta and you mix it all up and then you bake it it sounds great it's delicious <laughs> but very I mean it, you could totally imagine like cream of mushroom soup kind of thing ah I think well and then is- I guess probably in the night early 1900s that is not what they originally did but I feel <laughs> in the 50s someone would have reinvented it and that is what was in my head kind of so this was a little more la-di-da but not you know I mean it's it's a white sauce it's not terribly complicated and again, very delicious, but there was only two of us. <laughs> so we had it for a good long while. <laughs> That's the other thing. I made a, I made one of my regular sized eight by eight cakes Tuesday night. It lasted till this morning, which is Thursday, which is a day or two longer than it would have lasted in the past. The whole like rejiggering my how much food I make is throwing me off people. Same.
1: Like, Same it problem weird. It at my house. Wild.
0: Wild and crazy. So in other cooking, since the husband is now back, I have been playing with some new vegan vegetarian cookbooks that I got out of the library just to spice things up. One of our listeners, uh, and I forget who it was and I apologize, was cooking from Vegan Richa's Everyday Kitchen by Richa Hingle, and she has several cookbooks out. But there were several recipes that she posted about that I thought sounded really good. So I checked out the library, and there are indeed very many delightful-sounding recipes in there. So the first one I made was chickpeas in a peanut butter sauce, which was really good. And I kind of did some things with it, called for red peppers and carrots and zucchini. And I only had zucchini, but I had sweet potatoes that I needed to use. So I put those in instead because we all actually like them better than, for example, red peppers. And carrots are not my favorite still. So that was delicious. You have to try that
1: Parmesan roasted
0: carrot dish. Oh, that's tomorrow night.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, it's on the list. I don't even know what I'm having for lunch, but you know what you're cooking tomorrow night? Seriously?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do recipe planning, menu planning. I do not. I do. (laughs) This is how I get through my life. The problem is that Somebody was supposed to not be home tonight, was supposed to be going out, and now he's going to be home, and I'm not. So I had planned a meal that Boy 2 turkey could touches, make. chicken yeah. turkey Uh No, a, a stromboli, because Boy 2 could make that on his own, but that will not feed the husband. So I'm not quite sure what we're going to do. There may be ordering of food tonight. Yes. But the chickpeas and peanut butter sauce, delicious. So, I mean, peanut butter, coconut milk. I think you could have used some other kind of non-dairy milk. It also had turmeric in there and some other spices. And my sauce turned out a little bit thicker than I think it was supposed to, at least compared to the photo in the cookbook. But it was delicious. So that one was really good. And husband was very, very fond of that. He compared it to a mole. And I think in that sort of intensity of flavor is what his thought process was there. So, and And I would agree with that. So, that one was a, a win. And then the other one I made was a quinoa palau with white masala sauce. So, that one was a whole project, which I did on Saturday and ended up being fine. And it was less of a project than I thought, but making the sauce and then making the palau and felt like it was going to be more of a weekend thing than a I see. weeknight. Yeah. But ended up actually not being that complicated. I mean, it's a masala sauce, but it's a white one. So, it's a little bit different than what at least I am used to having in my masala world which granted is very (laughs) small and narrow slice of what there is actually out there and i have made palaus before which we've talked about so this one used quinoa instead of rice which was kind of a fun difference and the recipe called for you could use chickpeas or lentils and since i had just done chickpeas already that week i did the lentils and um, it had lots of different vegetable options. You could do green beans or zucchini or other things. Anyway, I had green beans, so I did that and decided not to subject my family to any more zucchini because, again, I had already done that. It was really quite good. Again, my sauce felt a little bit thick, and the quinoa took a little longer to cook than I thought it should, but super tasty. Husband loved this one as well. So I might have to buy this book. I'm not sure. I haven't quite committed to it. There's a couple other recipes that I want to test out but I did really like it and I think this one is this one is divided by flavor profile so there's like a a buffalo and firecracker section and I forget what the other ones are but very good lots of intriguing recipes lots of sauces and then so here's your sauce like the white masala sauce and then here's two or three recipes that you can use it in and most of the recipes have a lot of options. As I said, this one said you could use lentils or chickpeas, or use, you know, any of these various vegetables. And it would also give you a couple different sauces. So and there were tons of recipes anyway, but then each recipe has you know multiple options within it. So I really like this one as well. And she has a website. It looks like several of the recipes are on there as well. So I might have to have to do some stalking. And she has an Instant Pot cookbook as well. So I am, I've been poking through that one, but haven't quite committed yet. Although there were some tasty sounding
1: things in there. What's That's on your table? Similar, although no tetrazini. Probably not chickpeas and peanut butter no, sauce either. No, but I did do a summer, po- that summer palau oh, yeah, from yeah. East, which I served with a buttered chicken. Normally I do the buttered chicken in the crock pot and let it really cook down. I was a little rushed and did an oven version and it was different, not as tender, of course, but it went really well with the palau, which is the um, tomato and coconut milk, cinnamon stick. I really liked it. I think next time I will go with a low-fat coconut milk. It felt a little heavy on the coconut for me, but I still like the flavor. And it was easy-ish, like once you got all the prep taken care of. And that is where I diverge from your menu because then we did ahi tacos again. Mm. This is something that I did earlier in the summer. My kid at college doesn't care for fish at all, but my kid at home likes ahi. This is a great weeknight recipe because you can marinate the ahi pretty quickly. I served it this time with a slaw recipe that's on the same page. It's like all folded into this one recipe. And then she also has this yum yum sauce that I've missed the past two times that I've made it, which is kind of like a smooth tartar sauce. Oh. Uh, the flavor profile is similar, maybe not pickled. It's interesting, though. Yeah. It worked. It worked. So the ahi tacos were one night and then I also did beef fajitas and the beef, I did it with a flank steak and I marinated it in pineapple juice according to a recipe that I found. The pineapple juice is a magic marinade. It did not taste like pineapple at all, but it surely did tenderize that meat. So that was, that was a great find and I did it with a million different peppers and onions that I had sautéed with guacamole and cilantro and green onion and the really the marinade carried everything it just made it it was so flavorful but the real culinary and actually art room easel win for this week were the Concord grapes that I got a hold of. Oh, yeah. So last weekend, we were up in the Russian River area. We were gifted a little, a couple bunches of Concord grapes. Now, this is not something that I come across very often anymore. They were so fragrant and so purple indigo and so delicious. I mean, they were just a complete joy. And I've been snacking on them all week, trying to keep the fruit flies out of there. I wish that you could scratch and sniff them, you know, to everyone because they were just completely nostalgic. They're that grape flavor from my childhood. I don't know about yours, but just delicious. So fun. And that was my favorite thing in the kitchen this week. Nice. All right. On the nightstand
0: of a good little variety this week starting off with the personal librarian by marie benedict and victoria christopher murray so this is historical fiction about the personal librarian of jp morgan who was basically responsible for building his library and his collection and convincing his son to turn the whole thing into a public institution which still exists and her name was belle de costa green And she was a black woman who was passing as white. And this was happening in the early 1900s. So impressive enough that a woman had this kind of power. She became a society figure. She was well-known in the art world. Very impressive just in general. And that she was also a black woman, which was not known at the time, obviously. Also super impressive. So was really interested in reading the story. Obviously the librarian angle, I love that too. The actual writing and telling of the story was less fantastic, in my opinion, but the information was great. Definitely went down a little rabbit hole on Wikipedia and the other resources. The Morgan Library, I think, uh, is going to hit 100 in two years, and they're going to have a big exhibit about her as well. So I'll have both kids out of the house then. Maybe I can go to New York and see it. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. So a really interesting Story, And then I read The Name of All Things by Jen Lyons. This is a fantasy epic, epic fantasy, second book in a series. I read the first one, gosh, a few years ago, and I had to spend the first, I don't know, chapter or so looking up summaries of the book because these are both really giant books. There are five books in the whole series. So I had forgotten a lot of what was going on and who the people were. So if you do read them, I recommend reading them a little bit more closely together. Both these books take place in this fictional empire. There's magic. There is dragons. There are magic amulets. There is reincarnation. All sorts of things. Talking horses. It's, you know, everything you would it expect. It knows no bounds. <laughs> it does. You would. It's everything you would expect in a... In a fantasy book, traditional fantasy book. Um, so, in the first book, Kieran is a lost heir of one of the ruling families. He is found and brought into his family, but he might also be the answer to a prophecy that predicts that this warrior is going to appear and bring down the empire. So, people are kind of ambivalent <laughs> about his. Being found. Uh, So he has lots of adventures and things happen. So now in the second book, we meet the second person who might also be the answer to the prophecy. Her name is Janelle. She is the granddaughter of a count. And when he dies, their overlord tries to convince her to marry his son so that they can take over the land. So she runs away, has many adventures, eventually ends up meeting up with Kieran. And they go off to try and kill a dragon. <laughs> There's an overall bad guy. There are lots of characters in both stories with some crossover. Kieran is a little more snarky and witty than Janelle, so I kind of like the first book a little bit more. He doesn't make quite as much of an appearance in the second one. The second one feels a little more not stoic exactly, but she's a little she's a little more straightforward. But still, both really well told, super fun, just it's all plot, really. So if you like the epic fantasy, this is definitely a good one to check out. I already have number three on the way, so I will hopefully not forget all of the characters. And I think they brought everybody together now, so we should just be going forward. We shall see. That is The Name of All Things by Jen Lyons. And then Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey. They are becoming one of my most favorite writers. I've read several things by them and they're all great. This one is going deep into the Gothic. For my taste, it was almost sliding into the horror genre, which not my most favorite. So just be aware of that. So in this one, our heroine main character is Vera Crowder. She has been living away from home for years. Her mom calls her to come back because she is dying. The problem is Vera's dad was a serial killer. Okay. There were some family issues... Her mom kicked her out as soon as she turned 18. Every time someone realizes who she is, she has to change jobs because everyone's, you know, there are issues. So she's back home. There's this creepy artist living on the property, trying to get inspiration from being near the house. Weird things, gothic, horror type things start happening. It was very intense. I could not stop reading. I made myself stop. I think I started reading it on a weekend, so I was just reading, reading. Made myself stop at four in the afternoon because I had kind of gotten to a break point. I needed to make dinner. Did not let myself start reading again after dinner because I could tell I did not want to be reading this late at night. And that was a wise choice. So I did enjoy the book, it is definitely creepier than I normally enjoy. But probably not worse than the one, oh, the one with the nurse that marries the doctor, and he uh-huh, won't let her in I the house. I was thinking that. Yeah, so it's very, it's kind of similar in that. I like, forget that book. Yeah, that
1: we both read it.
0: Yeah, it's it starts off not too creepy, and then and it's creepier, creepier. So depends on your on your level of yeah. weirdness that you can on your Stephen King scale. Yes. And I should say that Just Like Home is not just about being creepy, there is also a lot of discussion about family dynamics and what happens to people when someone they love is really evil, and how you deal with the effects of that relationship. So I will be interested to see what the next Sarah Gailey is like, because they have definitely been getting creepier and darker <laughs> as the their writing goes continues. Uh, But again, fantastic writing. Very atmospheric. Thumbs up. Then I started two new audio series. The first book was Stormfront by Jim Butcher. Urban fantasy mystery. Perry Dresden is a wizard living in Chicago. He's the only openly practicing wizard in Least in the area, possibly in America, and so the police call him in to consult on really strange cases. People also—that's cool. (laughs) People are wizards at. I know. And regular people or like movie stars will call him in to, you know, examine their haunted house and see if it is actually haunted or what's going on. Um, So that's kind of the backstory. But he is uh, in kind of a low point right now. He needs money to pay his rent. Uh, Luckily, this woman shows up and says her husband, she thinks he's been practicing magic, but now he's disappeared. Can Harry investigate? Sure. Also, there was a really weird murder that happened, so the police call him in to investigate. The problem is the white council who is in charge of all the magical people in the country think that he committed the murder because he's the only local wizard strong enough to have committed the murder, so now he's kind of on the run from them. There's a local crime lord involved. He's also trying to find this woman's husband. Lots of things going on. It was pretty enjoyable. <laughs> it ventured a little bit too much into the noir. Like, oh, there was this hot dame that came into my office occasionally, which I found <laughs> annoying.
1: Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad, but they could back off
1: on that a little. Yeah. But the whole- Or all the way
0: yeah that too that would that would be preferable but since they're not it's not horrible just not my my preference but the audio was good the the narrator did a good job it was you know a good good mystery you know plus bonus magic he has a he has a spirit that inhabits a skull that helps him with his potions who's very snarky that's amusing. So, you know, all the all kind of the things you would expect from a book of this type. And then I listened to The Crow Trap by Anne Cleves, which is the first in the Vera Stanhope series. So I'm back to the Anne Cleves as well. I really like this one. This might be my favorite of her books. Yeah, even more than than the Shetland ones. The structure of it was just really cool. So there are three women that are moving into this house to do an environmental survey. They're all scientists. They've done work here before. But when the first one shows up, the neighbor lady who she's friends with them is found hanging in the barn and appears to have committed suicide. So the first part of the book is each of the three scientists. It's like the things that happen in the next couple of days from their viewpoint. You know, the one who finds the body and then the next one and the next one. And then another body is found that is definitely murder. And at that point, we get Vera Stanhope coming in. She's the detective. And it bounces back and forth between multiple viewpoints without focusing on one. So you get all some of the back background and secrets of the three women uh, before we really get into the actual murder mystery. So it was a really interesting, different setup. There were at times parts of the mystery that didn't seem to quite make sense. But I really like the structure. Vera Stanhope is kind of a kind of a character this one takes place in northern england kind of northumbria-ish york somewhere up there so you know a new new setting to get get interested in and i'm yeah so i'm looking forward to the seeing how this one develops and i think this one has i don't think this one she has ended yet i feel like there's still more books coming out in this one so you will probably be hearing more about that series and then two books by alexis hall (laughs) So hope you're ready for some romance. The first one is A Lady for a Dupe. And this one was a little more, felt a little more chiclet, a little more serious and intense. And for me, Alexis Hall is just a very funny writer. He is the one that did the, the people on the cooking show that had me crying out loud. <laughs> the baking show. So I was not quite expecting the, the intensity of this, this book, but still a really good romance. Viola Carroll- was a soldier and everyone thought she died at Waterloo. So she decides to take that opportunity to live her life as she felt she was meant to, even though that meant giving up her title and all her money and estates. And she comes back and throws herself on the mercy of her brother, who has now inherited everything. Brother and wife are like, great, move in. But she also left behind her best friend, the Duke of Gracewood. Something happens in his life and they meet again. Shenanigans ensue. It was a really beautiful, very interesting book. It was definitely a little more serious than Alexis usually goes for. I think there was, you know, some some witty banter, but mostly, uh, I think there was just a lot of emotions that needed to be explored. And it was really, really good, moving story with some a little bit of adventure at the end, just for kicks. But husband material that that got my my funny bone. moved, as I expect. Totally a retelling of Four Weddings and a Funeral. So you need to be super into weddings to read this one. at least you don't have to be, but it helps. So it is the sequel to Boyfriend Material, which he wrote a couple years ago. So we meet Luke and Oliver again. They've been in a relationship for two years. Everybody in their life is getting married. And Luke ends up accidentally proposing. And so then the fourth wedding is going to be theirs. Or is it? so again just super fun get to see their relationship how it's developing they have issues and how they approach their relationship and life in general and again weddings I'm a big fan of weddings so a book that has four weddings is just really ideal for me and then finally Joan by Catherine J. Chen which is historical fiction the story of Joan of Arc oh it was so good Really, really good. Very much reminded me of Wolf Hall
1: in the. Wow, that is high praise from you. Yeah,
0: the way the style of writing just felt that sort of almost dreamlike. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting. There's no visions. She's not, um, she almost gets pulled along into her role by the powerful people in her life. There's a lot of backstory about her life in her small town. It was very interesting, very modern, kind of made it more believable. I think, I mean, obviously, it did happen. But I think for modern people, we have a hard time with the whole visions and people taking that seriously and the whole religious nature of it. So she really pulls back on that and makes it seem more believable. You know, how could this happen? Why would people follow this young girl? And so it, it just really was riveting. And I just had to keep keep reading and reading. And, you know, part of it is to see how she is going to make it all work. But also, it's just a really beautiful story. So definitely check that one out. And then Oh, my gosh, there are so many books coming out this month. <laughs> Do you see my little list.
1: I see your list. Yeah.
0: Shauna McGuire, Kate Atkinson, Erin Sterling, Jasmine Guillory, and Muir, Naomi Novik, Maggie O'Farrell, Alana Andrews has books coming out. And there is a Miss Marple collection with stories from Lee Bardugo, Alyssa Cole, Lucy Foley, Ruth Ware, and a bunch of other people. They're, oh oh my gosh. My library. I I don't even think I currently have availability to put things on hold on my library list. And all of these books are coming out. So exciting, people. Clear the deck. And my book club is starting up again. So I've got to read books for that. I just, what, what am I supposed to do? Read more. Oh, okay.
1: All right. How about you? I have five-ish books <laughs> wow, for you. oh
0: very nice. Oh, uh, right, because you were in between. You're I was in, the in middle. between. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So I read The Darkness Knows by Arnaldur Adridison. He is an Icelandic mystery writer. And so this, of course, this mystery, they find a body in a glacier. <laughs> As you do. As you do. I don't know why that annoys me, but it does. Like... So, so there's. So is it a really old body if it's in a glacier? Yeah, it's like 20 years.
0: Oh. So, there's layers of. Well, oh, I guess glaciers continue to grow. I mean, not now, but.
1: Well, I think they chucked it in there, <laughs> as one does, in the middle of winter. And so it was oh, snowed, okay. and like. I got it. Because the glaciers truly are melting, they aren't as safe to explore. And
0: so people. And not as safe a bet for throwing away bodies. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah because it, they come back. So this was a really, this is going to shock everyone about an Icelandic mystery, but this was super dark, shocking. Who oh, <laughs> know. Yeah. So our investigator, Conrad, he is a retired investigator and he's brought back into this because this was like the one case that he didn't solve. The layers of trauma are on his side, on all of the suspects, on the innocent suspect on the person the body found itself so it was it felt like an archaeological dig just going through this whole thing and then there's the cadence of a book that's been translated i love a scandinavian mystery i think that the the pace always surprises me and it compels me to keep reading this one had that sort of cadence, but I I was a little irritated that it was in a glacier. Like, I don't know. It's a super dark book. You just need to know that going in. That's The Darkness Knows. It says it in the title. (laughs) You've been warned, people. You've been warned. Okay, then I read The Five Wounds by Kristen Valdez Quaid. This is beautiful. This is a beautiful novel that takes place just over the Mexico border so they're in a, a border town and our main characters are Amadeo and his pregnant daughter Angel and she's 16 and she's dealing with this teen pregnancy and she goes to her dad and grandmother looking for help and her dad was also a young parent and he is has substance abuse issues and he is they do this thing in their town on Good Friday where they march through the town reenacting the Good Friday, Pontius Pilate, Christ with a cross. Every year they do that. And so it's a real honor to be chosen as Jesus. And then Amadeo is chosen right when his daughter shows up pregnant. And he's like, I'm trying to do this thing. And <laughs> my kid is eight months pregnant. And it's weird to say it, but it's this beautiful internal conflict and how this family navigates a year together. So it's a full year passing and it calls upon the five, the five wounds are the five stigmatas on Christ's body and how the author relates that to Amadeo's life over the course of a year. It, it was so well done. This family is still walking around in my head and my heart. And I think um, people will, this, this is, I mean, it's not a light read, but it's beautiful. It's a really beautiful novel. Then I have Walk the Vanished Earth by Aaron Swan. Wow. Okay. This is another incredible novel that I just want everyone to read so that we can talk about it. I'm going to make a comparison. I don't normally like to do this, but I just to give you, this is not my normal lit fiction genre. This is more like The Road meets Station 11, meets the Sparrow. Whoa. Right? That's a lot. That's a lot. So we are given three different time periods. The late, maybe mid-1800s, when the bison are being wiped out in the American West. And then 1970s, when the descendants of the guy who was killing bison They're living their life in the Midwest and what their life is like. And then mid-2070s, when the Earth is having tremendous floods and the impacts of climate change. Oh, so it's
0: kind of like my my Norwegian-Swedish climate change ones, where it has the three different, like the bees.
1: Yeah. Yes, very similar to how you described it. I haven't read those yet. This totally worked for me, and I was so invested in these characters. So they end up, like the future characters, one of them ends up on Mars. The the tie-through, the connection of these people is wildly believable for me, who is not so much into this genre. I I don't want to spoil it for people because I think that... I think that the payoff is like really, really incredible. It moved me so much that when I was painting, I was thinking like, wow, this this seascape would be, it would just be ocean, and, you know, with the ocean rise and climate change. And, and of course, we're experiencing all of this heat in California right now. So it it totally hit home. I thought it was also incredibly well-written. Walk the Vanished Earth by Aaron Swan. Then I read Woman of Light by Kali Fajardo Anstine. And this takes place in like the late 1800s to 1920s. It's two generations in Denver, Colorado. And this is an indigenous Chicano family and how they deal with just trying to make ends meet and the racism of the era and their just beautiful family structure so there's two main characters Luz and her brother Diego and they're being cared for in the in the present moment by their their mother's sister the story comes from Luz she's 18 or 19 And she's trying to make her way in this world and she reads tea leaves. She even once reads Coffee Grounds, which was fun. What life was like for them and how they are trying to get out of their dire situation and onto a better life and all of the drama and tragedy that goes along with it. I thought it was really, really well written and just a beautiful family story. Now, my last book is so... Delightful that I cannot wait to share it with you. This is called Devotion by Miley Malloy. And it's about a young mom who impulsively buys a house that's infested with rats. It's It has kind of sad moments to it. But overall was so delightful that I want to own this because look. Oh, that's so cute. It's... Tiny, so tiny. It is. A, Where did you find that? At the library. <laughs> this because is why li- you have
0: to go into the library, right?
1: The library Sometimes. is the best place on earth. I'm
0: well, uh, yeah,
1: convinced. It is a palm-sized book, and I believe it's it's a short story or a novella, if you will. It is the most delightful little thing, and now I feel okay. So this made me laugh even though it had some dark moments. And I also now feel like I have to collect books like this. Like I want to have a little library of miniature palm-sized books. And I had to pull it out of my pocket and hand it to Monica because, come on.
0: It's it's adorable.
1: So few words on each page because <laughs> it's so tiny. I think I read it in a half hour. Yeah, You know, it was, it's a, it's a, was it just shelved with the regular books? Uh-huh, it was oh just on the shelf, this little tiny thing. And then then I spent another half hour searching how tiny books, tiny published <laughs> books, small palm-sized published books, palm-sized fiction, microfiction, which is a whole other category. Yeah. But how do I find like what do you call this? A small format published? <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah. So, I mean, I would check in the catalog to see if there's any any keyword in for there it. yeah or ask the librarian okay there's got to be a way
1: it's adorable it's adorable even even though it's about rats so what i do want to say about this micro story micro book is that not i was i was delighted by the size full stop but also the character trajectory in this little story was surprising and profound so you know, that that can be accomplished also says a lot. Wow. I loved it. That's so de- exciting. devotion by Miley Malloy. Okay, bingo.
0: It's okay. Well, it's going to be done <laughs> by the time you hear this. Ended on September 5th. So hopefully you all got your bingos in. We've had a couple coming in these past two weeks. And uh, yeah, thank you for playing along. Yeah, it's been super fun. I I am close. I have one left. I have three, I but I have plans. Big weekend. <laughs> um, so I, yes, did the chicken tetrazzini for my local cook local, which was exciting. I made my shark gnome, which was the thing for two months away. And I still need to cook from a book, although... I feel like I was reading a book, probably husband material, and they made something or they ate something and I had just cooked it the night before, but I can't f- remember now what exactly it was. So I may, if I end up not making what I want to make this weekend, I may make that count even though I can't actually say what it is. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of like sliding into the end going on this year, but... You're so close, though. It's not like
1: I can win prizes or
0: anything. Right.
1: How about you? I read The Five Wounds, which is by and about a person of color. I cooked from a novel, which was that summer palau, and I was inspired by A Burning, the book that I reviewed last week. And then my laugh was Devotion, my little teeny tiny Oh, good. I still have to start a new project, which actually... I start new projects <laughs> I was all the say, time. I feel like. And I feel like the big series that I'm working on is either a new project or is gonna be the calendar. Mm. So that could either be my something for two mm. months away yeah. or my new project. And then it could also be both. It could be both. But I don't I try not to double dip, even though it's totally allowed and it's our game and we can play however we want. Yep. And then my focus on fun appetizers I'm doing tonight. Because it's back-to-school night, (sighs) and I have a kid who wanted deviled eggs, and so then we were joking around and talked about what else we could make, and I'm going to do really fancy pigs in a blanket, nice, (laughs) and maybe a couple of other things so that we'll have these snacky foods around for the weekend.
0: That seems good. Yeah. Yeah, so we had quite a few people come up with their bingo on Ravelry Burdette Posted, and her final entry to get her bingo was she knit a sock from handspun, and the handspun was from local sheep. So that was pretty good. Great. And it was beautiful. And then Hockey Rachel, also on Ravelry, made a lemon blueberry zucchini cake, which her kids declared to be epic. So that got her another bingo. And she is also pretty close to blackout. Oh, that's So we are fabulous. waiting to see if that happens. Jay Pearl on Instagram got two bingos this year, so congratulations on that.
1: She I like that one cuz Pearl said she she just cooked when necessary. Yes. So she utilized the design that I have set up that you can earn a bingo if you don't cook, you can earn a bingo yep. two other ways. So I appreciate that she recognized. Yes. I did that for her.
0: Yeah. I mean, she still got two bingos, so it worked yeah. out worked out great. And then Jay Carl 515 also got a bingo. And her final one was uh, she learned to crochet. She did a little granny square, which I feel like there was a lot of learning to crochet going on this summer, which was
1: great. Really? Yeah, that's there was so cool. there were
0: several people that did granny squares or, you know, some other sort of new crochet thing. I guess that's coming from the knitters. That is, that is a new skill.
1: It occurs to me that that sweater I'm obsessed with, which is like a designer sweater, is not a knit. It might be a crochet stitch, so I should probably... Bring it to the masses and figure that out. Which one? Oh, it's this very fancy sweater with an open... It has like a real open knit stitch or perhaps crochet. And then it has embroidery, tons of embroidery on it that I really want to do. Uh, While you're looking for a Pilates girl... Also made three recipes from East because us talking
0: about it inspired her, so yay. And it, it is it is super fun to go back to cookbooks that you haven't cooked from in a while and realize why you enjoyed them in the first place. And plus, I think she did some of the... I, she did the Summer Palau as well and two other ones that actually I don't think I had made or it has been a while, so... I am inspired to go back there even more. Goodness, that is quite a sweater. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It could be either. It's Valentino. Hmm does it say in the description? Look at the back
1: though. It looks like a knit stitch.
0: Yes, it does. I don't know. So let's talk about our winners. Hello everyone. I have just done the prize draw for all our wonderful prizes. First off, congratulations to everyone because you did some wonderful crafting and cooking and reading this summer and I know Courtney and I have said this already, but it has just been a joy to watch everyone be inspired and see what they've come up with. You all are here for the prizes. So I went through and made a list of all the people that posted their bingos and blackouts and then used a random number generator and did the same thing. To get the chatter prizes on Ravelry and Instagram. So, our big winner of a prize package that will include many things, but especially a Craft Cook read repeat hoodie and also a pattern of your choice from Jennifer LaSan Designs is Pilates Girl, who's Jane from Seattle. And she posted on Ravelry. Very exciting. And our Ravelry Chatter Prize winner will receive a pattern of their choice from Jennifer Lason Designs as well. And that is Lau Kell with post number 74. And that is Kelly from Florida. Finally, our Instagram Chatter Prize, which is also a pattern of your choice from Jennifer Lason Designs, goes to Penny Gale. So congratulations to everyone. For those of you who won a pattern, well, that's everybody. <laughs> All of the winners won a pattern from Jennifer Lasan Designs. And if you want to go ahead and collect that, you can email her at downsellerstudio at gmail.com. And congratulations again. And we will see you next year for more bingoing. All
1: right. Yay.
0: Congratulations, everyone. Hooray.
1: Thanks so much for playing along. We do the bingo. It it feels really fun for us because it kind of keeps our summer on a trajectory. And I always, especially during the pandemic, felt very accomplished every time I completed a square, let alone a bingo or a blackout. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have suggestions for next year, feel free to shout them out along with your questions for our 100th episode.
0: Yes, please. And until next time, make sure to do something you love every day.
1: Thanks, everyone.
0: Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or CourtneySF, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat@gmail.com. at gmail.com.